Greetings and salutations, and welcome to This Ends at Prom. A coming-of-age podcast highlighting cinema about or marketed towards teen girls. I'm one of your hosts, BJ Colangelo, and I'm joined by my wife. Harmony Colangelo, a trans woman who grew up watching none of these movies. Is today's movie a queen bee? Or are we killing the teen dream? Get in, loser. We're analyzing the movies people make fun of us for loving. Welcome back, prom party. Hello. You are joining us during a very exciting time, which is that I'm 99.9% sure that the kids in the apartment next to us are having a sleepover of their very own. Yeah, um, there's a lot of thumping and shouting and running, so that'll just be like set dressing. That That's ambiance that's appropriate for today's episode. Absolutely. So if you hear random children screaming, no one is in danger. They're just having a good time. If you hear no children at all, it's because Harmony's really good at her job of editing. No, no, BJ, you're killing the illusion. That's where they went to a club and hung out with Party Mom. That's true. Okay. I don't want to kill that <laughs> illusion. They're in a club getting drinks from their teachers. You know, yes, a very appropriate thing to happen. As you do. <laughs> so if you couldn't tell by, you know, the title that's on the top of all of our episodes, we are talking about the movie Sleepover today. And we are not alone. We are joined by actor, voiceover artist, the incredible woman behind the podcast, more than Tracy Turnblad, as well as the one-woman show, we have Abby Rose Morris here with us today. Hi, Abby. Hi. How are you doing today? I am good. I am so excited to talk about this movie. I'm excited that you suggested it because I have a lot of mixed feelings about this movie, as I'm sure you probably do as well. Yes. I grew up with this movie. (laughs) So why Sleepover? Why is this a movie you want to talk about? Well, I specifically asked about this movie because I think there is some interesting fat stuff in it. My podcast is about fat representation. So I thought that the character of Yancey would be very interesting to discuss. However, it's not like she's a main character. So I didn't think there was enough for a full episode on my podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was one of my favorite movies growing up. I watched it a lot of times with my little sister and various friends and I haven't seen it in many years, although I think I have seen it since I was old enough to like reflect on it and mm-hmm. think a little more critically about it. Um, but I definitely haven't seen it since like high schoolish. Uh, so I just really wanted to revisit it. It's one of the only like classic movies from my childhood that I haven't rewatched recently. I love that. And I also love because there's a little bit of an age difference between us. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Harmony and I are a little bit older than you. And it's fascinating to me that a movie like Sleepover is like so important to you, where this is a movie that came like just a little bit after I was getting out of like the Sleepover movie stage of my life. Yeah. But I saw like I, I sought this movie out specifically because Yancey was in it. But what's fascinating is 
is if you haven't seen Sleepover and you're just basing your knowledge of the movie on the poster, you wouldn't have any idea that Yancey's in this movie. Oh, and I didn't. And I chose it based on the poster. I mean, I remember I went to the video store and I would see it on the shelf and it had a pink background and it was called Sleepover and I love sleepovers and there were some pretty girls on it. And so I said, (laughs) I want to watch that movie. And I got my mom to check it out. And then it's like, surprise, there's also a fat character. And like, what a delightful treat that is. But also, why is she not on the poster? We know that answer. It's just uh-huh. infuriating. Oh, my, I <laughs> mean, because she's a substitute friend. <laughs> Literally, yeah. They put like, the mean girl on instead of her. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And like, no shade to Sarah Paxton. Love her dearly. She's great at playing a horrible, mean high schooler. But yeah. come on, that's rude. And what's also interesting is I don't know which poster specifically like what region this is covering but there is a poster that has the little stickum like photo th- strips i cannot remember what those cameras are called for the life of me yes um, but there is a version where yancey is on that and i think that is the much better poster because you have the girls you have the mean girls and then you also have like evan peters and his little crew and they're all on the poster and i'm like oh that's a more representative like yeah. picture of what this movie is but the one that we got in the states it's like let's pretend the fat girl doesn't exist and let's focus on the hot blonde literally <laughs> so harmony did you know anything about sleepover before we watched it for the show no and i had to really be specific anytime i had to look it up for like imdb or to get context for it because there is a new sleepover that it has nothing to do with this that just came out like last year. <laughs> mm. And that was the uh, that was the extent of it, which is, oh, that new movie? No, not the new movie. One from like 20 years ago that I'd never heard of. Got it. Right. <laughs> so, Abby, if you had to explain what this movie is about to someone who's never seen it, what is Sleepover about? It's about growing up. Um, well, I would say plot-wise, it is about a group of girls who basically go head-to-head with the popular girls in a scavenger hunt, um, and through lots of hijinks and antics, you know, and they're competing for basically high school popularity. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's pretty straightforwardly what the movie's about. Yeah, very much so. This movie, there's not a lot of, like, really in-depth plot point. It's pretty paint-by-numbers in terms of high school hijinks movies, Mm -hmm. um, which is nice, makes it really easy to follow. The one thing that is so wild to look at, especially through a 2023 lens, is this cast. Oh my God, I know. That was like the first thing I wrote down. I totally forgot. I completely forgot how many huge names they have in this. Like every single adult character is like, oh, (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so we have Alexa Pena Vega as Julie. Um, she is probably most well known for the Spy Kids franchise. Uh, this is the first movie she did after Spy Kids, so this is a big deal for her. Uh, Mika Borum, who was kind of one of those like every girl uh, teens of this era, she was on like Dawson's Creek, a ton of stuff. But then we have like Jane Lynch. Uh, we have Sam Huntington, who is in Detroit Rock City and a lot of other wonderful things. Sarah Paxton, like we said. Uh, Baby Brie Larson is here. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. S- Scout Taylor Compton, who, if that name doesn't ring a bell for any of you, she is Laurie Strode in Rob Zombie's Halloween remake. Uh, we have Douglas Smith, who has been on like a ton of like high profile TV now. I know him best as the heavy metal singing uh, slasher killer in Stage Fright, the uh, slasher musical that I'm a huge fan of. Um, Steve Carell is here as like yes. 
a weirdo security guy with like a terrible mustache. The uh, same year that he did Anchorman. Right. No way. <laughs> Such uh-huh. a wild thing. Uh, Jeff Garland, we don't need to talk about him because he's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> Kelly Flynn Childress obviously plays Yancey. She did not go on to have as big of a career as most of the other people in this film. We know exactly why that is, so we don't have to you know, hamper on that. Uh, and then you have like Evan Peters being like frantic weirdo Evan Peters, like pre-kick-ass just weirdo boy. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. What the hell? Wild. <laughs> Why is he the best part of this movie though? <laughs> I have such an affinity for Evan Peters, like pre-American Horror Story Evan Peters. I like when he was still doing like adventurous weirdo character work like he is in this movie he's so fun and delightful um but this movie came out in 2004 which is a year that we've actually covered pretty recently with our a cinderella story episode but but harmony (laughs) do you have any context that you want to bring to the table yes so this is going to be treading a lot of similar ground to what our breakdown was for A Cinderella Story, because it's cut from a similar sort of cloth. Mm -hmm. But other films that we've done from just 2004 alone are 13 Going on 30, Mean Girls, which is obviously like the big one that changes the game for the rest of this decade, The Phantom of the Opera, Debs, and A Cinderella Story. And to really contextualize what the teen sphere looked like in this year, it's the runoff of the success of American Pie, so you have like pretty, you know, lowest common denominator sex comedy hijinks movies, and you also have the domination of the Disney brand of like adolescent teen films. Mm-hmm. So they have an, a number of explosive entries this year outside of a Cinderella story. Ella Enchanted also came out this year. The Disney Channel is really like ramping up in popularity. We talked a lot about more about that like a month ago for our Cinderella story episode. But this movie is kind of an amalgamation of both of those where it's the Disney brand of like a 13-year-old style like adolescent coming of age teen film. But it has the vibes of like sex comedy hijinks, including like the typical gender reversed like panty raid of stealing a boy's boxers. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. Uh, something that I thought about as we were rewatching it is that this movie feels like it was a script intentionally for like an episode of Lizzie McGuire. Mm -hmm. Like that's the tone that we're kind of chasing here. And what's fascinating is Harmony is the one that actually brought up like, this is a, like a PG rated sex comedy because it's following all of those similar beats, but it's definitely geared towards children. And what that does is that instead of focusing on kind of like the very carnal, very like surface level, oh, it's just about like getting late or whatever, Mm -hmm. it turns into romance. It's about wanting the boyfriend. It's about wanting someone to like you. And the thing that makes it so weird is that they are 13, 14 years old. Uh, Brie Larson is implied to be 15 because she was held back a year. But they are all like very, these are eighth graders. They have Mm -hmm. just graduated eighth grade. And yet they are like going around town falling in love with boys that are in high school. And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, They're they're getting into nightclubs. They're driving electric electric cars with steering (laughs) wheels on the wrong side. Because clearly we had to import that because America didn't have our own electric cars, I guess, at the time. Probably. Um, (laughs) they're, They're flirting with their teachers they're trying to like there's relationships with like junior slash senior boys kind of floating around in the ether there's a lot of very adult things like this is a a slapsticky version of like pen 15 (laughs) yeah i was 
shocked that there was no references to drugs or drinking in this because I feel like so much content that's similar to this goes there. But Uh this didn't because it's trying to do that PG version, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. I mean, I this movie came out when I was seven years old and I got obsessed with it probably a couple years after that. So when I was watching it, I was looking forward to high school and Mm -hmm. like assuming this is what high school will be like. (laughs) Like (laughs) that's what I that's what it was teaching me. You know, and it's also really interesting that this is this sort of like popularity quest, right? The whole goal of winning the scavenger hunt is that you get to sit at the fountain, which is like the cool place to sit during lunch. And if you lose, you have to sit next to the dumpsters, Mm -hmm. which is such a like 13 year old priority to have, which I find very endearing because any other movie, it would be about like losing your virginity or getting the girl or having Mm -hmm. like the one party that you never thought you'd get to. And what's fascinating is that like if you age this up and you make them juniors in high school and they're trying to do this to be like seniors in high school, like they want their senior year to be the best year ever. Mm -hmm. You don't have to change anything and the movie gets infinitely less weird uh, because you don't have the weird age gaps. It's fascinating. Um, But before we dive in any deeper, it is time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Hello there, prom party. This Ends at Prom is made possible through the support of listeners like you. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash thisendsatprom. There, you'll be able to get access to the show's schedule at the start of each month, playlists curated by yours truly, our Sadie Hawkins dance mini-episodes where we discuss teen boy movies, our musical milestone episodes where we discuss iconic artists and moments, in teen-oriented music, and we are currently re-watching and discussing Freaks and Geeks. All of these new episodes, as well as our extensive back catalog, are available in tiers starting at just $1. If you aren't able to support right now, we get it, times are tough, then all we ask is that if you can, give us that five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast, and maybe share us with a friend. Thanks so much for listening, and now back to the movie. Alrighty, so the first thing that I want to talk about is Julie, our main character played by Alexa Pena Vega. Abby, how do you feel about Julie as a character? Um, I think she's cute. I I like her better watching this than I did as a child. As a child, mm-hmm. I thought she was creepy and weird, um, which <laughs> makes sense because she does sniff this boy's shoe and be like, ah, oh, it smells delicious. Yeah. And I remember being like, what the actual fuck? Um, but... Um, Watching it back, I I just find I think probably Alexa Pena Vega is just so likable that I uh, don't have negative feelings towards her. I do think that the movie like weirdly tries to make her a cool girl at one point when she mm-hmm. seems extremely not that for most of the mm-hmm. movie. She's kind of just like your typical bored over average teenager, and um, she doesn't seem to have you don't really know her interests until Steve reads them out of the yearbook. And he's mm-hmm. like, basketball, boarding, and dogs. Um, <laughs> that's what she's listed as her interests. Wow, what a cool girl. She skateboards. She eats. And that's what makes him <laughs> fall in love with her. So I thought that was funny, but I didn't get that vibe from her as a person. Definitely. And we get a little bit of it when they're making their like fake online profile. And there's 
such a little like thing that was clearly added in for protection, which is the, <laughs> the idea of, oh, he has a little blue ribbon next to his name. Yeah. That means he's been verified safe. And that is so clearly like some producer was like, hey, you need to make it clear that these girls know they are talking to somebody that is a human being and they are not about to go meet up with a serial killer because we are still very scared of the internet in 2004. Yes. Um, I- I think that's just really funny. But they're making their profile and Sarah Paxton is doing like the, we're a bikini model, we're this, we're super hot. And mm-hmm. Alexa Vega's like, I like food or whatever she says. <laughs> like mm-hmm. something one of the very friends strange. Says, in, when, she, when they say interest, one of the friends goes, cheese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cheese. And you're like. Profession. Tree surgeon. Yeah, tree yes. surgeon. That's her suggestion. <laughs> Which like sounds like a very fun game of Mad Libs, but I will give it to Sarah Paxton. If you're trying to catfish online, not great. So <laughs> just I don't know. I feel, totally... like, I feel like the teacher probably would have been into a tree surgeon. I mean, yeah, that's actually. a great point. He probably would have found that fascinating. Uh, but you're totally right. She doesn't give off like the hashtag not like most girls energy, but the movie wants us to think she's that character. Yes. Maybe to just juxtapose her against Sarah Paxton, who we are, you know, supposed to believe immediately is like the bad girl. Like, oh my God, mm-hmm. she's popular and she's not friends with us anymore. Mm-hmm. She dates high school boys. Right. And like never does this movie critique. Maybe this guy with a driver's license should not be hanging out with an eighth grader. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, movie never gives end, us they're that. Like, they're like, he's bad because he's cheating. But like I feel like he was probably just bad before, too, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like and nobody ever really finds out what happened between them. They just find out, oh, he's cheating, too. So he's bad overall, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, his biggest complaint is that she's not putting out now that she's graduated eighth grade. I know. Right. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, and I don't know why this is such a thing. That's a lie. I do know why. It's just gross. But there to me growing up i felt like there was always such a stress in a lot of the teen media or especially the tween media of girls that were in eighth grade really wanting to get with high school boys like that was very much Mm -hmm. a thing and i understand like the admiration that comes from that of like oh he's older and like oh he has a car and whatever like i understand that but they never look at it from the other end of, but what does it say about this high school boy that he is willing to be into a 13-year-old? Yeah. And, oh, my God. She also does not is, look 13. So that, like, doesn't really lend no. itself to questioning it. She looks 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She does She does not look 13 at all. Um, I would argue that none of the girls do. Oh, yeah. None the, of them do. With the exception of maybe Yancey, and I had to look it up, and she is the same age as all of the other girls that are in here. They're all about a year or two apart from one another, um, but mm-hmm. they were all like 16, 17, which is probably why they don't look their age. Right. But Yancey is styled in a way that makes her look very young, mm. and I find that fascinating for two reasons. One, because it's so clearly an attempt to kind of, like, cover up the fat girl. Like, she's in a jean jacket for most of the movie. Oh, yeah. The early 2000s is also a time period where if you were a fat girl, we all looked like moms that were working as a lawyer in our spare time. Like, we all were business casual and looked way older. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating to see a fat character that looks way younger because that is, like wasn't even my experience as a kid growing up. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think there's a very popular TV trope around fat people of them being young, innocent, naive. 
Mm-hmm. And those are usually the ones that are humanized. They're also always white. We should note that. Absolutely. Um, and, and always girls. And I just did a, a bonus episode of my podcast um, on Patreon where uh, my co-host and I gossiped about which fat celebrities are short and play these kinds of short roles. Um, because there seems to be such a big correlation with height and smallness of like that being something that enables uh, fat people to be seen as slightly more human or like more mm-hmm. protagonist or more young or something like that. Like they all seem to be correlated. If you look at like Tracy Turnblad, she's young and squeaky and like it feels like any fat main character is usually somewhat young and squeaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's like these two little boxes where we either have like the very innocent sort of childish little fat girl yes, or we have like the hyper-sexualized fat girl and it's played as like a joke because can you believe that she would have sex? Whoa. Literally. Um. I'm, I would say even hypersexual, not hypersexualized. You know what I that's mean? That's true. Because yes, in the yes. eye of the movie, she's inherently unsexual and that's why it's funny for her to be like insatiably horny. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Very, very important distinction on there. Um, So honestly, let's just talk about Yancey because this is no shade to uh, Micah Borum or Scout Taylor Compton, who are poised to be like the closer of the two friends to Julie, but they don't have their own arcs outside of the Hannah character is moving at the end of the movie and we know that she's moving. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, like... They kind of feel like filler characters to me, but mm. Yancey actually gets something. She gets an arc. So I'm curious of how you feel about Yancey. Um, I've always uh, been squicked out by Yancey. I didn't want to be associated with her. I didn't relate to her and I didn't, you know what I mean? Like watching mm-hmm. that movie, it was painful because I knew as a little fat girl, like Yancey was the character everybody saw me as. And I didn't feel like Yancey inside. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because when we have, like, no representation, you get, like, the one thing. It's kind of like how every fat white girl at some point has been told she looks like Adele, even though none of us do. Um, because no one just told people's... me that, though. I'm too brunette. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> mm. Um, but it's one of those like weird things where people just have like the one go-to person and they're like, yeah. oh, you look like this. And it's like, do I look like this or are they just fat? Um, right. Or it's like if you watch that, if I watched that movie with a group of three friends, they'd be like, oh my God, it's like she's Julie and she's Farah and she's Hannah and you're Yancey. And I'd be mm-hmm. like, excuse me, bitch, I introduced you to this movie. I'm the Julie here. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Harmony, how about you? Because something that we don't get to talk about very very often on the podcast is Harmony used to be a, a fat kid. Um, and so I'm curious how this character reads to you as a not fat adult. Uh, she kind of reads the same way that all of the friends do in this movie, which like it's, it's interesting to call them filler characters, I guess, because I remember eighth grade and I feel like those were filler friends that I had where it was like, these are the people you hang out with because you're in the same class. And then eventually... Mm-hmm. You go to high school and now there's four grades and you'll make different friends and it like opens your world up. So like that's what that feeling is for me. But like the most interesting thing about Yancey is that she's the fat girl because it gives her a character that the other two kind of don't have. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was I mean, I was the fat kid in the 90s growing up. I was 
the chubby kid who was on every sports team in a kid's sports movie. Like, mm. the catcher from the Sandlot or the kid who's getting hit with the ball who's the same kid from the Big Green or every <laughs> Josh Peck role where they insert fart sound effects afterwards oh. in post. Like, that was me. I felt that. Um, I guess with Yancey, like, the thing is, like, and I kept quoting it the rest of the movie where it's it's probably meant to be a joke, but I think there's some, like, profundity to it where it's like, Yancey, some, some girls just need to find a boy that likes brownies. And... Like, that's just a good moral. Like, do you want to be a person who would prefer celery or do you want a person who says, fuck it, I like brownies? I think that's a great point. I, I have divided feelings about that line. Uh, very oh, divided. I think it's gotten a lot of, in my TikTok spheres, when I have talked about this movie, a lot of people have pointed that line out as something they have a problem with. And watching it, I, for well, I think it's fat phobic to assume she likes brownies. You don't know what she eats. You don't <laughs> see her eating mm-hmm. this whole movie. Um, that's the one thing that I'll say, but I also think there is merit to it where it's like, you know, you want somebody who likes you for you, who has the same interests, whatever, like, and, um, I like that they gave a fat man a moment of being like a hot guy in this movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not like that fat, but he's fat for the 2000s and I think he's really cute. The only weird thing is like, we don't know his age, but we'll get into that later. Anyway, (laughs) regarding the brownies. Um, I think that the reaction to that line is a little overblown, in my opinion. I think it might have something to do with some of the feminist rhetoric around dating that we're seeing uh, mm-hmm. now around hetero dating, um, because mm-hmm. I see a lot of, I mean, even when it is pushed back against the idea of high value man, high value woman, I feel like we see a lot of, well, it's empowering for this woman who's not conventionally attractive to be with a super conventionally attractive man. And Mm -hmm. I I think that is not feminism and that is really dangerous, slippery slope and it can sound weirdly. I mean, a lot of a lot of times people are like, oh, that's entitled. It's like, no, that's reducing men to their looks like that's just kind of Mm -hmm. turning the tables on men Mm -hmm. in these like hetero dating dynamics. Um, So I, I just don't think that's the answer. And I feel like some of the find a man who likes brownies anger could be a little bit towards that direction yancy would you rather eat celery or a brownie what is that a trick question it's obviously a entirely different dynamic um outside of a heterosphere because the patriarchy and all of that fun beautiful terrible complex stuff Mm -hmm. but harmony and i definitely do experience a little bit of weird pushback because we are very different in body types and there are definitely queer people who view me as quote-unquote undeserving of her because they cannot they Mm -hmm. cannot believe that harmony who is like very tall and has a slender frame is with me who is built like the, the little teapot well, and <laughs> <laughs> especially because in queerness there is um reverence and appreciation almost to the point of like fetishization of like slender yes. or at the very least like fit um like because if you're slender you're androgynous and queer people love androgynousness uh, yes. right now like that's that's in vogue so yeah people have been like really shitty within like like five feet of us loudly they've said (laughs) rude things to both of us about it where it's just like no like you're way hotter like people will be having a conversation going like no she's fat and ugly you deserve her way more and they feel entitled to me in a very strange way i 
Oh, it was. So it's a weird. whole. It's very weird. It's a whole mess that is gross, and I don't care for it. But queerness yeah. has its own compli- complicated <laughs> totally. history with fatness. Totally. And I think there's yeah. there's a straight version of those comments as well, because um, I've seen that happen. I haven't heard it within earshot of me. But I have definitely been in the room when other people said things like that or implied things like that. And take a look at any couple's comment section where one of them is thin and one is fat. And Mm -hmm. you will know exactly what everybody's thinking. Um, But most won't say or won't say to your face. But on the internet, they they just slide in the uh, like, oh, but she has a really pretty face. Literally. (laughs) Or they'll, they'll be like, listen. Some people care about more than just looks when they're finding a partner. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, that is so yeah. ugly. <laughs> but they <laughs> the don't even realize that because they just take it as a given that fat people are ugly. Yes. Yes. They And there that brings me to another point that is made about Yancey in this, where Yancey is very aware of, like, her social status and mm-hmm. where she fits in with society, which I think is extremely common for anybody who is marginalized in any way, 100%. shape, or form. 100%. Yeah, if you fit outside of the Eurocentric beauty standards, you know. You don't need the world to Like, you know this. Literally. So she says things about how she's fat, and then we get the dreaded comment of, Yancy, you're not fat. Who told you that? And it is the perfect example of the fact that when people say fat, they don't just mean fat. They yes. mean oh, I say so many other things. <laughs> mm-hmm. They they think that if they think somebody's a good person, that automatically makes them not fat. Because mm-hmm. they just think of fat as this like tangle of horrible adjectives. They think of it as like you are a morally bad person. And if you're not a morally bad person, that automatically makes you not fat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's very much how they clearly see her, mm-hmm. which is... I think it's really fascinating, but I also think it is like an extremely 2004 sort of view yes. because be, like one thing that I can say with our like very slight age difference is so this movie came out when I was a freshman in high school. Mm. And so I am coming of age and figuring myself out as a teenager at the same time where like the paparazzi is the meanest it has ever been in history to you know i i distinctly remember the jessica simpson is fat when she is very much not um or the tyra bank swimsuit or any of that bullshit like it is burned in my brain and is very formative to how i saw myself as a person growing up so to see this movie and have somebody actually kind of acknowledge that sort of world yeah is at the time felt so progressive but now in hindsight you're just like oh this is a mess i i think it's like when a fat person's aware that they're fat and that they're like marginalized because of that a movie will characterize that as they're sad and pathetic Mm -hmm. um when in reality they're just fucking smart like you know Mm -hmm. um i think that when when a character isn't aware that they're fat they become the butt of the joke much easier Mm -hmm. and you know there's many reasons why that is but with somebody like Yancey a lot of times somebody like her who simply purely knows is aware of what she looks like and what that means about her socially in this world and this school and everything um she just gets like we feel sorry for her because no one should have to go through that you know what I mean um yeah so they have then then they give her a pity invite yeah she gets the pity invite and what i find interesting is that she gets the pity invite but they really don't have like any like side conversations at the sleepover or during the night where it's like 
oh, we're really glad we invited her. Like, uh, this is going to be awkward. Like, everybody be cool. Like, that doesn't exist, which mm-hmm. I find very refreshing. It just seems like, oh, well, we have another spot. Let's invite Yancey. Cool. Yeah, and they uh-huh. just kind of leave it. So then when the end happens where she finds out she's a pity invite, it feels very out of left field and out of character for these girls. Yeah. But in a weird way, that kind of feels like junior high where yeah. suddenly something that wasn't an issue is now a huge issue. I mean, I think that what I would suspect is that in order for this to make sense, she would have to already be friendly with them and just not mm-hmm. part of like the inner inner circle. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't, I, when I watched the movie as a kid, I assumed she was like total, total loser outcast. They would never be seen with her. But now watching it back, she's actually pretty cool. And it just seems like they were maybe already friendly, um, because she clearly fits right in with them. Like mm-hmm. it's the dynamic is never awkward. She never seems any different than these people who are like a group of friends. So mm-hmm. I honestly wonder if like she was just kind of second tier friend probably (laughs) and like they don't even it's not even like addressed or a weird thing when they let that slip towards the end of the movie because she then gets like speaker setup guy peter as as like hey surprise he's actually at the dance and then they just go on with their night like they don't have a fight about it they don't address it it's just like everything's okay because a man loved her for a minute (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's, that's what i don't like about this movie i will say i I remember judging it when I got a little older because I was like, it's so shallow and it view and li- like you know, it's it's all like men are a prize, men are the most important, whatever. When it's supposed to be a movie about friendship, mm-hmm. and like there's a moment where the friend who's moving away says, "Julie, what do you want more than anything else in the world?" And Julie goes, "Steve." And when I was younger, I was like, "Are you fucking serious? You don't want your best friend to not move away?" Uh Right. Like, and what's also really fascinating is when Julie and Hannah have their, like, farewell moment because Hannah's moving away to, I think, Vancouver is where they say. Mm -hmm. Um, The way they look at each other, it looks like... It looks like they're gay. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, they not they don't look at each other like best friends. They're looking at each other like they're in love with each other. Yeah. And I'm like, this is such a weird choice where this entire movie, which is supposed to be about their friendship, doesn't feel like it's actually about their friendship. Mm-hmm. And then when they leave, they look at each other the same way that they do the boys in this movie. And yeah. I'm like, that's such a choice. <laughs> I always... um. I don't remember if I ever picked up on gay vibes in the movie, but I do remember really myself being very obsessed with Hannah. And like, Mm -hmm. I remember this like one top she wore and I had a Barbie that I would like put in a top with a similar neckline and I'd be like, oh my God, she's Hannah from the movie. She's so hot. (laughs) (laughs) I love that for you. I think that's adorable. (laughs) So let's talk about the actual like hijinks they get into in the actual scavenger hunt because it is so weird. Um, <laughs> I don't know w- why they thought of these things. Like some of them like, make who sense. Who made this list really though? Right. Like, like did, were they Larson, scheming were this list? Like did they have this prepared or was it just like spur of the moment, these are the things that should be on the list? So the the one that makes sense to me is like stealing the magnet off of the security car, which is Steve Carell's car. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense to me. That is like got the same energy as like go steal the stop sign outside the bank. Like that makes sense. Um, putting clothes on a mannequin at the mall. That makes sense. Like it's it's mm-hmm. harmless. It's not that big of a deal. That makes sense. 
sneaking into a club and having someone buy you a drink. Maybe if you um, were 18. Right. That's what I'm saying like earlier. Like if you age this up a little bit, it's a lot less weird. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, so 13-year-olds sneaking into the club to get someone to buy a drink for them. Um, also catfishing someone who turns out to be your teacher. And I am like weirdly put off by the teacher's energy in this movie because I know that the, the, the movie wants me to see him as like, Oh, he understands what it's like to not be popular in high school. Mm-hmm. And he wants to do this for the kids. Cause it's nice. But my brain was like, why are you taking pictures with your students in a social club? Okay. Yes. Uh, So that's that's a recurring plot point where it's a thing for the teacher. It's a thing for the random character that we meet uh, for entry to the prom where I feel like the the theme they're going for is like, don't worry, there's losers out there that were just like you in the adult world. Right. They are the same as you, but you don't know it and they have regrets. But it's so weird to me because I actually did some some looking up on this and it's not apparently as popularized as it would become very quickly. Uh, this is from 2004, which is the same year that To Catch a Predator came out. No. And I, I think that we will become very, very quickly aware of like what catfishing is and how that is very sketchy very, very fast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like we don't want to add like a sexualized lens to this because the movie does present it as like this is extremely innocent. The teacher yeah. does not have any oh, of course. Like, nefarious anything going on. No, he's it's vi- just the he's kind. It's just the optics where it's like, <laughs> yeah, this is this could be that that picture could fall in the wrong hands very quickly. And then suddenly this people are going to jump to whatever conclusions that they do with it. Right. You know, right. And as somebody who, you know, was a teacher, you could not have paid me to take photos mm-hmm. of my students in public. I love them dearly. Fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's for that reason where it's like, no, especially not in a nightclub where they snuck in underage because it does show some irresponsibility of like, mm-hmm. why didn't this grown adult go, hey, bouncer, this is a literal child in here. Please send them home. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's like just a lot going on. So that I've always found is very, very strange. Uh, but we do get to see Jane Lynch being like fun party mom at the club, which I love, like being on people's shoulders. Oh, my God. I also, love that. I love uh, how often Jane Lynch plays like stern straight mom because no, she... it doesn't make any sense. They just didn't know what to do with her pre Glee. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like, Glee. she's so good, but how, what do we do with her? She's like this, you know. She's what thirty something, forty something at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she she's tall. She, uh, mom who is strict. Like they just didn't know what to do with her. Mm-hmm. Well, they even have a joke in like the almost like when she's laying down the rules for the sleepover. There's even a joke about like mom breaking out into song and dance just as like a throwaway line. And it's almost like a weird like it's predicting glee. (laughs) (laughs) Something that I do weirdly like about this movie. And again, it's not like explored outside of the, the throwaway line. But at one point, Julie makes a comment to her brother where she's like, if dad knew where mom was tonight, like as if like, oh, mom's, you know, being wild. But then when she finally does break in at home, dad is like, did you have fun at the club? Everyone deserves a night off. And she realizes, oh, wait, my parents are humans with their own wants and needs. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice because we, especially in this era of kind of the Lizzie McGuire of, Mm -hmm. of the world, I think we forget that parents are people. And I know teen movies love to treat parents as like, you know, little 
they're always played by character actors. They're people who show up to do something funny and leave. Yeah. They don't really have arcs. And this movie does like show her a new understanding of her mom. And I yeah. think that that's really nice. And I kind of wish it was explored more because I just want more Jane Lynch 24-7. Word. <laughs> but I thought that was like a really nice inclusion that again like i would never have processed as a 14 year old watching this movie but as an adult yeah. i was like oh that's sweet i think the um, brother too she sees like more humanity in him over the course of the night oh sam huntington he is he is doing some goofy dropout older brother shenanigans all right uh-huh. <laughs> he has shtick <laughs> oh my god there's so much shtick in this movie i actually forgot about it but in when i watched it some of those were the most enjoyable parts um, I mean, particularly Evan Peters, really. Just Evan Peters. So, Evan Peters, like, let's talk about, they call him Spongebob, which, like, in <laughs> in a 2023 lens, it's like, come on, guys. Like, did we have to be that on the nose with how, like, squirrely he is? Um, but I think in 2004, people absolutely would have had their one friend that they called Spongebob. Like, that makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. But Evan Peters Feels like he's in his own movie, this entire movie, and I love that for him. Same. I I think he's having, like, his own adventure off screen that we're not aware of, because there is almost this element where it's like, I'm glad you're here, but until, like, the dance-off, there's not a reason for you to actually be here. You don't have to be. You're having your own movie somewhere else, and you just happen (laughs) to cross paths with this one occasionally. Right. In a weird way, I kind of wish that there had been like a dual release of like Sleepover and Guys Night or something where one movie is oh The God. Girl's Adventures and the other movie is whatever shenanigans Evan Peters is getting into. That would be um, so funny. That is a bold move. I, w- I want that to like, be a thing I think that does. would be so fun. And especially because I have such an affinity for this particular brand of like juvenile like weirdo skate boys because Uh those were the boys that I was friends with when I was a freshman in high school. So I have an affinity for this type of, you know, they look like a zoomies rack exploded on top of them. And they have so many layers, so many layers and every (laughs) shirt came off of like, like pack sun, like sales rack. Like I, I love it so much. And I also love, getting to remember a time period when Evan Peters was playing goofballs because mm-hmm. the he's been Ryan Murphy'd away from it. And Sad. that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like he's very good at what he does. But no, I he's know... good at this too. And you can tell what a good actor yes. he is this whole movie. Like yes. he's doing so much character work. He's so funny. He steals like every moment that he's in, which I totally forgot about. And it was such a pleasant surprise watching this movie back. Yeah, he's so animated and like he's doing so much like like rubbery facial work, which yes. is really nice, especially when no one else is. It just it's a, yeah. such a delight. And I'm really hoping that we're going to get a resurgence of like adult Evan Peters going Ugh. back to doing just screwball comedy because he's so good at it. God, I hope so. I mean, he is like a, you know, the typical golden retriever gamer boy. Oh, um, yes. I mean, it is pretty weird how he breaks into the girl's house. We can talk mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then there's that moment where they put on the wigs and pretend to beat them, which is weird. But then yeah. when he he gets to the dance and it's so wholesome how he's like, I would treat Stacy like a queen. And he's like, <laughs> he like tells off her boyfriend, like he's one of those people who's like socially clueless about like social norms and social mores, but is such a good person at heart. Yeah, definitely. And 
yeah, the the break-in stuff of the houses, like, I go back and forth on it. Because on one hand, I'm like, yeah, this is obviously not great. But at the same time, I definitely did this. When I was in, like, eighth grade freshman year, one of my best friends all growing, like, throughout high school and childhood, lived a block and a half away from one of the said golden retriever gamer boy skaters. Like, they, we mm-hmm. lived across from each other. So often on weekends, if we knew that the boys were doing, like, a thing at their place and they knew that we were doing something at our place, we would, like try to teepee each other's houses without the other one knowing oh my God, we that's knew so fun. we knew how to like get into each other's basement so we would like go in there and like take things or like leave things that's always more fun to me is when you leave something and it's like where did this come from yes. um so we would do stuff like that to each other all the time so as much as like my adult sensibilities click in where i'm like this is a problem i also have to remind myself like no, you fucking did this when you were their age and you had yeah. the time of your life and there was nothing insidious about it. Like, let them be kids and weirdos. Like, mm-hmm. they're fine. This is harmless fun. It was a different, more harmless time. It's very yeah. true. Allegedly. <laughs> Supposedly. Allegedly. Hey, you want to see a picture of me in a coma? Okay. Really? Sweet. You know, this doesn't mean that we're like boyfriend and girlfriend or anything. Oh, I know. But now I've got this picture. And this picture is way better than my coma picture. Dude, you are an Insta legend. Can we have our picture taken with you? Ooh. Be cool, guys. You know, you asked uh, how this movie compares to my high school experience at some point, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, it it literally doesn't like I never did any of these pranks and stuff. But I think the sensibility of like just doing stupid shit because you're bored in your hometown and your friends are all you have to like entertain you. That yeah. is very true to my high school experience. Um, however, like the love part is not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like that like makes my heart hurt for like. Oh no! Little, I mean, it shouldn't because that you. that just like wasn't important and when i was in high school i was like you guys are all stupid thinking you're like with your soulmate in high school that's also true the only time i had an issue was when my friends would like ditch me for their romantic lovers oh god the boyfriend girlfriend friend oh yeah yeah. (laughs) rough harmony how about you do you ever get any hijinks when you're about this age um not so many like there wasn't a ton to do in my hometown like one of the main ones is that there was a uh a closed down high school, like near downtown. It was like the old one and you would break into central because it was just a rite of passage that you would do. And the the thing that we just kind of did where it's like, oh, it's stupid, but it's a thing to do. It closed because it's full of asbestos. Oh no. Oh my <laughs> and God. it's like, it's this big sandstone building and it's, it would just cost too much to, they don't want to tear it down because the building's like historic and beautiful, but like it costs too much to actually like, gut it and refurbish it so they never did instead there was a nursing home where they they stored wheelchairs and stuff there and i'm sure that that's totally fine just storing stuff for old people in an asbestos riddle building yeah it's 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 cool but it's very spooky (laughs) where you just go in and it's like why are there 40 wheelchairs in this room but like we would do stuff like that you go hang break into a cemetery which basically just meant hopping a gate and do that at like 11 at night like nothing really super interesting it was it was more small town loitering i guess yeah. is what we did 
I guess the closest thing to a break-in I ever did was we'd go camping on this this island every year. We My family still does. And it would be a lot of, like, my cousins and their friends and me and my friends. And there was this old abandoned house on there that we called the haunted house. It was, like, the only, like, real structure that was, like, actually a house and not just, like, a lean-to. Mm-hmm. And so we would break into that. That was really it. But it wasn't really break-in. I mean, you could kind of just go in. But it was <laughs> you were not supposed to. Like, it definitely was not structurally sound. So that, that I guess, is my only break-in. Um... I will say, I think by the 2010s, when I was in high school, people were extremely college focused and extracurriculars and homework took up most of our time, um, which was a real bummer. Like it felt like we didn't have this extra time to loiter as much, at least not the, not my friends. Like Mm -hmm. it felt like school and I was theater kid. It just like consumed every minute. I also didn't have a car all of high school, so... That actually is really fascinating to think about because you're definitely right. Once, I would say probably like 2007, 2008, because I started really, really feeling the pressure right before I graduated, Mm -hmm. where suddenly the idea of going to college and being able to go to a good college started getting stressed. Like going to college was always stressed for, I think, any millennial. But there was that divide where I think – right before there was like the recession because i graduated high school into the recession go Mm -hmm. me that was great um but right around that time where i think people were starting to see like oh this is about to shit the bed really fast yeah then there started to become this it's not enough just to go to college you need to go to a very good college because otherwise you're gonna be fucked and so i got the tail end of that and that sucked so i can't even imagine what it would have been like to enter high school because we joke on the show a lot, but like sophomore year BJ is like an entirely different person. She was wild as hell. And junior year is when I like really like kind of got my shit together. And yeah, yeah, that would have been like 2007, 2008. That's wild. Thank you for bringing that up. Cause now I'm like having an aha moment here. Yeah. I think um, it was very, especially in my particular high school, which is just a very like white wealthy district. Um, it was very clear who the dumpster people were and they were the ones without money. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the rest of us were all like working our asses off constantly. It was huge. Sports were huge. Sports took up so much time. There was like nary a person at school who didn't play a sport. Like it was extremely uh, normal to have your time completely filled by extracurriculars. And although I think kids did party, I mean, my friends didn't like really party like we didn't have house parties or anything we just would like smoke weed on someone's roof or whatever um (laughs) like i think well we had parties but usually there there was minimal did you have cast parties yeah cast parties (laughs) Mm -hmm. um or like sleepovers we actually did have a lot of sleepovers and we would get into hijinks but we would stay in the house (laughs) um but anyway it it just felt like it was so normal to be thinking about your future 24 7 and so like I did not have a carefree adolescence, I don't think. (laughs) Yeah, I got I got half. That's how I'll say it. I got half. But I was also like if if anyone's listened to our election episode, I was insufferable like immediately because I was an overachiever and I still am and it's a problem. And that's why Mm. I'm in therapy. (laughs) I Um, was also insufferable, but it wasn't I don't know if it had anything to do with overachieving. (laughs) Definitely would have judged people who got up to hijinks, though. No, I think that that tracks, though, in terms of I think a lot of 
like the theater kids that I knew growing up because I was a theater kid. Oh, okay. Um, definitely judge the kids that were into hijinks because I think I think there's this like innate mentality that a lot of theater kids have because we know that we're good at something, like really good mm-hmm. at something that we kind of look down on other people. That sounds like shitty and awful. No, but I, I think definitely that makes did sense. the same and, thing. And I never felt that I was particularly good at theater. Um, and then, of course, went on to study it for four more years. But that's another discussion. But I did feel that I was particularly good at school. And so it was but it came really easy to me and I didn't pay very much attention and I would get in trouble for not paying attention. But my grades were always good. So, like, no one really batted an eye too much. So I definitely looked it down on kids who didn't do as well in school and, like, were more interested in things that were not school. Because for me, school was so easy and it, like, wasn't hard to just, like, get a check mark, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think you would have been a fan of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, I was am a chronic now, underachiever. So that's all that matters. <laughs> Thank you. I, I love that. I appreciate that a lot. I've I, also become I was... an underachiever. So. Oh, good. That I think that's healthy. Is you have to like underachieve <laughs> a little bit just to like get through this dog oh eat dog world. Ugh, dude. Yeah. I, I I I could talk about it all day. I've, I've <laughs> really... gone hustler culture. Oh my gosh, I've really I've really discovered my inner underachiever throughout college and now. <laughs> now I'm out here as a 26-year-old who's never had a full-time job, so that's All right. <laughs> I'm desperately trying to learn to be more comfortable with my inner underachiever because she exists and I, I bring her out every once in a while to like give myself a break, but then I agonize with guilt over I should be doing something. I should be doing something. Yeah. I should be doing something <laughs> and it makes me banana cakes and I don't <laughs> I, I, I need to learn to let that go I need to remember the joy of being 14 years old and squeezing in with a bunch of friends in a very very tiny compact car because that's what you have available to you mm. I, I do miss that I miss, I miss that too driving around with friends like gas prices have made that impossible and yeah. also no one wants to do that anymore and now that we live in los angeles that's not really a thing you can do because oh no traffic people hate driving here it's awful. Like everyone has their own car anyway yeah mm-hmm. but oh man i loved that because i was one of the first people in my friend group to get a car and it was because i taught a lot of baton lessons and saved up money like i paid for that car and i drove that car until i was Oh my God, how old was I? Like 28? From like 60 to 28. I had that car forever. And I loved her dearly. And she only died because she got stolen and broken into and destroyed. Um, But because I had the car, I was the one who, like, got to take everyone around. And, oh, my God, it was, like, the most fun. And it was just such a simple way of having fun. And now as an adult, it's like, no, we need to go to this new restaurant. I heard it's really good. The cocktails are $25. And I'm like, I don't want to go there. Oh, my God, true. (laughs) I I think for this movie, like, this movie is about, like, them growing up you know this is leaving eighth grade behind moving to high school having a car is a big part of like the sensation of growing up because a car is freedom Mm -hmm, and i think that there's particularly this bygone sensation of being able to drive around obviously because of gas prices and that we're adults with shit to do but i think it's like you cram five people into like a ford escort which is a car where five people is just a little uncomfortable but you Mm -hmm. can manage it and this is before, you know, people had every song available on their phone. So you had, like, whatever mix CDs were in the car or, you know, maybe, like, the uh, the tape insert auxiliary thing for someone's, like, iPod Nano. Oh. So it was, like, a finite amount of songs. And that meant that 
whoever it was, like you would learn your friend's songs and it just created this like close sensation emotionally and physically because you're crammed into a tiny car and just going somewhere, but not going. You you got all, you got nowhere to be in all day to get there. You know, it's one of those sensations yeah. of just like, especially where I'm from, where it's just a lot of open cornfields and mm. land because farms. And so you just pick a direction and go, cool, we're going to drive halfway to Columbus and then turn around and go back. We're going to go see the hell is real sign and then come back. I cannot do the things on that list. I'll just eat Wonder Bread by the dumpsters with the rest of the frumps. Julie, focus. What do you want more than anything in this world? Anything, anything? <laughs> Ultimate anything. Steve? Exactly. Do you think he eats by the dumpsters? You could be sitting right next to him at the fountain. And plus, if you don't do this, everyone's gonna hear about it. We live in a suck universe where wearing the wrong sneakers can make us life outcasts. I know, but... You and I both know that we're not just talking about a lunch spot. We're talking about who you're going to be in high school. You have to do this. I hate it when you sound right. There was a thing on Reddit the other day um, because I read Reddit before bed because it makes me feel like a better person because it's a nice little dose of schadenfreude. Um, but uh, there, was, there was a question where somebody who is a teenager now was like, hey, teenagers who grew up either without social media or like in the early stages of it, like MySpace, what was it like? And they were genuinely asking, like not trying to be like judgy, yeah. I'm too cool for you teen. And it was kind of heartbreaking watching like all of these very young people respond to the ideas of like no it was great because we weren't all connected so if we wanted to see if our friend was home we just went to their house Mm -hmm. or we would these are the things that we would do we were allowed to hang out at the mall and like how many of them were like yeah we legally can't hang out at our mall anymore without adults like it's illegal or if we are just like hanging around at the food court yeah they're loitering and they'll get kicked out and they're like we can't do that um or the idea that uh you know, outside of school bullying kind of went away because they couldn't get in contact with you. So you did have like a little bit of a breather. Obviously, like the the sting of bullying doesn't ever go away, but at least you could go home and you didn't have somebody directly attacking you. Whereas like now it's in their phone. Uh And for as much as, you know, there's always the generational divide of like, oh, millennials are cringe or whatever. It was really kind of heartbreaking watching these like young people hear us all talk about like how fun it was and how we got into all this trouble because you know nothing was recorded no one could do these things and to hear them say things like I don't know how I would be able to live like that like that sounds so freeing and I think a lot about like sleepover and like that movie because 2004 is right on the cusp of social media um so myspace is a thing friendster Mm -hmm. is a thing like things like live journal but we facebook is still i think in like beta testing at this point we definitely don't have twitter instagram snapchat any of that stuff so a movie like sleepover feels like a movie that couldn't be made today not because Mm -hmm. of like oh, it's offensive or, oh, it's, you know, problematic. I mean, it is problematic, but, like, not for those reasons, but for the reasons of, like, they could never get away with this shit in in yeah. today's world. Like, mom would have a tracking app on the phone and know immediately, yes, you were at that club. I don't need the scarf to tell me. I know you were there. Or, yeah. you know, the ring camera showed you sneaking up the the uh, the back way uh, 
or mom would just be able to not have to wait at the payphone at the club with like cute goth girl. She could just call you herself. The, uh, the girl, the girl from Spider-Man, the one who yeah. gave Peter Parker food and is such a cute alternative girl in this movie with no dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's, it's just very strange to think about how this movie, which for all of its faults is still like a fun little adventure for these young girls. Yeah. And like that, world doesn't exist anymore and it's not of like it's not very far away like we're not talking about a john hughes movie we're talking about a movie with like the girl from spy kids yeah no that's so true it's kind of a period piece in its way which Mm um i i that definitely struck me when i was watching it like the brick cell phone that she could only make calls on she got the oh it looks like a toy phone yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh and you know it's funny because looking back that type of technology where you only had the ability to make a call that Uh was like my whole childhood more or less but in hindsight it feels like a blip like Mm -hmm. between only landlines or walkie-talkie whatever and and like smartphone Mm mm-hmm yeah it, de- I it mean, definitely does. We are only a couple years away from, like, everyone getting... I, I think 2005, 2006 is very, very... I, I think for a lot of people, that's when they started to finally get cell phones yes. as, like, junior high and high school kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can I can chart this by with the rise of ringtone rap <laughs> and how <laughs> it became very popular for your ringtones. Um, and I, I, I think that that's... This is almost, like, the last version of this phone interaction that we'll see they like they would just yeah. send text like they do text in this they they tells her to like her friend tells her to order a sex on the beach at the bar so like they can text but it's not the primary form of communication it's not right um it's not those like commercials i see about insurance where it's like don't become your parents it's like you didn't need to leave a voicemail with your name and phone number you could have just texted like no t- calling is the way that you did actually interact like that was right. the preferable way and also um this is the time where like oh my God, they're burning through their very limited minutes because it's before 9 p.m. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Drew. That's so funny. And I like that you, you know, mentioned that this is a time capsule because we talk about this a lot in terms of like teen films as a genre tend to be time capsule films because they're trying to strike with what is cool and hip with teens at this moment immediately right now. And they don't think about whether or not this is going to be timeless because that's not important. What's important is capturing the now. And I do think that although this is definitely like a Disney-fied, because it's a PG movie, this is a very tame right. movie, it does feel like a pretty good portrait, like a little snapshot of 2004 and like coming of age of in 2004 mm-hmm. down to like the prevalence of skateboarding like skateboarding got huge around the mid 2000s because we started getting like skate videos and like a lot of skateboarders became personalities because they would be like tangentially associated with like the jackass guys so then like Bam Margera had a show everybody mm-hmm. grew up playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 like these are very very big things because I was thinking about I was like what is the last time I watched a teen movie like a contemporary Eighteen movie, and one of the characters was a skater. I don't know; it's been well, a while. Well, that's a musical funny for me. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I could place like an exact time I've seen it, but I know skating is like getting very popular with teens again. Like that is a thing right now. It's coming back, but roller skating is coming back like the biggest of mm-hmm. all of like those sorts of sports, which I think artistic. is fascinating. It's artistic, yeah. That's cool. Um, which I think is really really cool. But this like like this Evan Peters character like that like with such a trope that character like doesn't exist anymore oh, yeah, in like the sure. common vernacular which i think is 
fascinating. Also, um, <laughs> I, this was a moment that I rewound because I thought it was so funny. So, um, first of all, Alexa Penavega actually is skating in this. Now, granted, I think she's just kind of sitting on the skateboard and they like pushed her down a hill, maybe. Um, I don't know how much like proper skating she's doing, but. I love it that she's in a hurry to get home and it's like the the run up to Ferris Bueller where he's like going through backyards and she's on a skateboard and she crosses in front of like the car of her crush. And there's a moment where she goes, hold on, I need to hit a sick kickflip. <laughs> she really <laughs> does. And just skates away. And I'm like, that wasn't necessary. I love that it happened, but why? <laughs> I like rewound it because it just cracked me up so much. When she jumps she- over the dog too. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Jumping over the dog is great. But it is like <laughs> Harmony pointed it out. I was like, wait, no, that is really funny because she's in this rush and you do kind of have like the slow down where Steve sees her and is like, whoa, girl of my dreams because, you know, clearly hot femme girl, but also skates. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Just one of the guys. Um, but yeah, she's like in a hurry, but she really does like she does a couple pushes and then it's like, boom, kick flip. And it's like, you didn't need to do that. You're in a hurry, girl. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I think they needed to like prove that like it's more than just a mode of transportation. She can actually skate. It's true. This is because it's video game logic because everyone grew up playing Tony Hawk. If you do tricks, you're going to build up your speed and go faster. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> um, so speaking of Steve, though, he oh. is such a nothing burger guy to me. I don't know if that's just the, the I don't like men speaking, but He's he doesn't. He just doesn't have anything going for him for me. We're like. Even as someone who doesn't like men, sometimes I'll watch a teen movie and it's like, no, I understand why everybody was obsessed with Heath Ledger. Like, I get this. But Mm -hmm. this character, I'm like, what do you what do you bring into the table, my dude? I know he's literally just an object, like a prize to be won. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, I do think he's cute. I just uh, I don't I think we don't get to know him whatsoever. And the only thing we know about him is that he likes that she's a cool girl. That's literally it. Yeah, I I, I I mean, I. Gotta say that there is something about it, not necessarily in terms of like enjoying it as a part of the film because he is kind of nothing, but as this being a sort of gender flipped sex comedy or like, you know, a sex hijink movie, that's usually like, oh, the girl with like almost no personality is the prize to be won in like B minus C grade tier sex comedies. Things that weren't like really big and successful, like ones that became much more popular through video rentals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, oh no, that that tracks for why he is not a priority for like the writing. That's so true. At the same time, like, I think it's funny that this movie comes out the same year as a Cinderella story, which I also feel the same way about Chad Michael Murray, where Mm -hmm. it's like, Chad Michael Murray and Freaky Friday, I get it. Like, I get that character. Yeah. Cinderella story, what are you doing? Like, you're just cute. There's nothing else to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you write poetry? Okay. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, this is the same thing where it's like, oh, he's a skater and he has a car and he's kind of hunky. I would okay. argue that in a Cinderella story, Hillary Duff's character is also nothing, but mm-hmm. you're correct. And oh, you're also not happens. wrong. I <laughs> yeah. watched that movie for the first time like a month ago. I had a very similar takeaway. <laughs> yeah, yes. you're not wrong. That movie is <laughs> I also go nothing. To your episode. <laughs> I mean, Jennifer Coolidge is just the best part of it. She is the best part, and she's a restrained Jennifer Coolidge, which is mm-hmm. shocking. Yeah, never, never restrain her. Let her go whole hog on whatever she wants to do. That's mm-hmm. the correct choice. Yeah. <sighs> so I think that this this movie's treatment of of love is very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I do wonder how old Steve is. Like, he looks yeah. old, but mm-hmm. whatever. Oh, but oh. I wonder more how old Peter is. 
Yeah. That's the one that I really want to know. Because, like, yeah. Steve, in my brain, I'm like, he's probably a junior or senior. Like, he wins the crown. So in my brain, I'm like, that's junior or senior behavior. Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how other schools were. But for us, like, the prom king or prom queen, like, that was whoever was a junior that year is how they picked that. And then they, like, gave up their crown or whatever their senior year to the next person. Oh, so. Uh-huh. We, we didn't go to – I didn't go to my prom, <laughs> so I had no idea. That seems like a really logical way to do it. Right. So in my brain, I'm like, Steve's probably a junior. But I do know a lot of high schools, they do it as seniors. So, like, either he is a junior going to be a senior with a freshman girlfriend or he's a senior going to be a freshman in college with a freshman in high school girlfriend. Bigger problem. No, nah, he's got to be a junior. Cause <laughs> that's would, what I'm hoping for. There would have been a mention of college, I think. And isn't there, at the end, isn't there a scene of them together at the high school? Or am I remembering I that wrong? I don't, I don't remember. remember. I think I was distracted by garbage getting thrown on people. Sarah you know, Paxton screaming at garbage. That happens. My brain just substituted that, that in. <laughs> it's what you want to believe is I know. there. Oh, please, God. Yeah, but with Peter, we know he says, during the summer I move speakers. So, okay, summer gig. Mm-hmm. He's must have some kind of student right like we we probably Mm -hmm. as a student you can infer that having that kind of seasonal gig would make him a student but then if he's a high school student why is he working at a club (laughs) like right and also why is he at the like i don't know maybe it's the polo but in my brain i'm like anybody who works a job in a polo on the evening um of a weekend is probably an adult Mm. and I can't figure it out and I have I have multiple thoughts on it because one I do like the idea of Yancey having another fat person like that she thinks is really cute because she says he's really cute and yeah. it's not like even though he's fat he's cute like no she's no. like he's cute and I think that that's great because that's so like unheard yeah. of to see I totally but, agree but at the same time there's a patronizing thing like when they yeah. they have their dance and Julie goes someone for everyone except me I was like, bitch. Yeah, it is. That is like every time I see like a like a very happy, like fat person in a happy couple on TikTok, there's always somebody that comments like she's got a husband and I'm alone. And it's like, shut the Literally. fuck up. Someone's Fix like, your I personality. can't even get a text back. Like, fuck off. I can't. Okay. St- oh, I hate it. OK, but like they made have special reasons to mention a lot of the strange plot beats. Like at one point in the opening thing. Jane Lynch says, like, oh, you're going to be organizing wigs with your grandmother or something like that. And I think that's to justify why there are a series of wigs that the boys can wear when they pretend to be the girls singing the Spice Girls. Right. So, like, they write in these things where it's like, oh, no, the website certified this guy, so he's not a danger. Like, all these little safety nets to cover, like, weird plot things. They didn't do that for... Peter the speaker guy like it could have been easy been like oh yeah my dad has me working jobs or something because he says it builds character like really standard teen movie stuff right but they were just like no we're not even going to worry about like covering up that hole just just accept that it's fine Uh, Yancey will take who she can get I guess okay even if he might be way too old yes thank you for saying that because it very much feels like this very gross rhetoric that surrounds just fat people in general which is this idea that we should be thankful for what we get that we uh are not allowed to have standards and like you should just be thankful someone is interested in you so I feel like that's kind of what they were hoping for of like no one's gonna question this because at least the fat girl gets a guy Uh yeah and I think there is also something that I was told a lot growing up um 
when people would be like, well, you're fat now, but it'll be okay later because the boys will mature. And once they mature, they'll realize they don't want those dumb, blonde, skinny bitches. They want you. Like, you'll have to wait till the boys get more mature and appreciate you and grow up. I heard that <laughs> so many times. It's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right, though. And it does have kind of this, like, almost like like the inverse of incel behavior where like incels will talk about like well after this like woman is all used up and gross she'll come back to you and realize that like she was missing out and made a mistake that feels like the energy of what they tell fat girls of like after these guys get their hearts broken a hundred times by these hot babes they'll settle with your fat ass and it's like cool thanks this is really helpful right and they'll realize that you have a personality whereas the pretty girls are vapid and shallow they spent their whole lives coasting on looks you're like right or they're all boring and they look the same but you're different like oh my god they never developed a personality or a sense of humor because they were pretty whereas fat girls and fat boys like me we have to be funny otherwise (laughs) you know how are we gonna nab the unbelievably hot wife in most sitcoms literally (laughs) it's like it's really ridiculous and i know that it's obviously not just fat people like anybody who falls outside of the this the the beauty standard has been told in some way shape or form a way of a compliment that is also just putting down other people but Uh it is a particular brand of bullshit in the way that fat people are told to feel good about themselves of just let's shit on everyone else because as long as someone is beneath you like we're not gonna raise you up we're just gonna put people lower than you Uh Um, and I think that's also how so many people view fat people as like they're always gonna be beneath me so I'm safe and then when Mm -hmm. a fat person is like successful or in a relationship or whatever then people get so threatened because they're like wait you were supposed to be and particularly like in a romantic or sexual contest like you were supposed to context not contest but I guess that too um you were supposed (laughs) to be the easy ones and now you're acting like you're not like that like you're not below me like Mm -hmm. who's below me now you know it's like an Mm -hmm. easy target to make someone feel better about themselves Yeah, uh, BJ and I actually relate about this all the time, and apparently this is like a common thing on TikTok, but I'm not on TikTok, so I don't know it, so I just get the secondhand stories from her. But uh, there's there's like a lot of common ground found amongst like trans women and fat women in terms of how we're treated. Yeah. Where particularly with like guys, when I took that for a spin for a while and then got married and was like, well, now I don't have to worry about it. But Mm -hmm. they, when I would reject guys, they're like, how dare you fucking reject me? You're not hot enough. And also, like, look at what you are. You, you are not allowed to reject me. Like, yes. you should be lucky that I'm even giving you attention. And it just makes you feel like scum because it's like, oh, well, I guess, yeah, again, like, Yancey should be happy with whatever she can get. Like, that's that's the feeling that I can get behind because it's like, that sucks, yeah. but that's re- that's relatable. That's that's my experience. Yes, I think there there is a lot of commonality in that. And just the way that you're treated by people who are attracted to you and how they can't believe that they are and they feel so entitled to you at the same time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of discussions lately and it's been really nice seeing it because it's this kind of theory that Harmony and I have had for many years about like 
why do we understand each other and how we navigate through the world despite having mm-hmm. entirely different lived experiences. And then all of a sudden there was this boom on TikTok of other trans people that are like, if you have a conversation with a fat woman, like a fat cis woman, we have a very similar experience in the way that the world yes. treats us, the way that we're moralized. And we were like, ah, this all makes sense. Our, like, I, I hate to quote Rent because I know how much everybody in the world hates it, but like... <laughs> Our baggage, our baggage goes together. (laughs) (laughs) Like the baggage goes with mine. We we can understand each other in a way that like a lot of people can't. Like I don't have to explain to you what it feels like to be like simultaneously fetishized and seen as repulsive at the same time Mm because you get it, and that is very strong connective tissue in a relationship because I don't have to educate you twenty four seven. It's great. Definitely. I mean, if I could, if I could re if I could misquote the movie, then it's not a matter of get someone who likes brownies. It's a matter of get someone who knows what brownies taste like the way you do. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I like that. Everyone knows no thin person has ever eaten a brownie. Nope, oh, never course. in their life. They've never done it. It doesn't <laughs> nope. exist. That's how we're dealing with the problematic elements of this movie. Thin people don't eat brownies. Literally, no, they eat the I'm, chocolate the way, fiber one bars. I really think the main problem with that statement is purely that they they are implying that you know fat people like brownies and those skinny bitches don't eat anything but celery it is also again where 2004 is really strong for this it's a cinderella story of i like a girl who can eat a burger and doesn't just eat salad salad or a big mac oh my god (laughs) my sister i'm gonna flip a table she didn't know what a big mac was and so she just, just we're, we're from a very like hippie household, so we didn't have McDonald's growing up. And so she just assumed that a Big Mac was like some kind of like Twinkie snack cake. I mean, okay. That makes sense, in opposition though. to a salad. It's like a like a Little Debbie. It's a Big Mac. Okay, sure. I can see exactly. where, that, where that's exactly. going. <laughs> see, I'm the kind of person who um, I had a period where I was like, I'm going to really get into belt buckles and I need to get a belt that actually works for belt buckles because the one I have doesn't fit right but uh, i was like i'm gonna browse etsy for like cool vintage belt buckles and i was like bj look at this fucking whopper belt buckle from the 70s and she goes my fat ass knows that's a big mac (laughs) and i bought it by the way yeah she did but she was so excited she's like it's a whopper i took like half a second i went that's a big mac was it just like i'm a burger or what it's, it's like a it's like a, a, like a cast it's like yeah. a bronze like copper burger that's a belt buckle and it's wow. awesome. How but it's tell? so clearly because it has the extra it has the, uh, middle the bun. bun in the yeah. middle. Oh. So that's what makes it the Big Mac. I don't know and if I've also ever had a Big Mac. <laughs> they're fine. The secret sauce is Thousand Island dressing. There you go. I spoiled oh. it for you. <laughs> um but <laughs> it's one of those things where like I for a very long time used to like be very ashamed of my knowledge of like junk food bullshit because I also grew up really, really poor. So like junk food was like well, a yeah, very yeah. common thing. That's what I had available. So as an adult, I am still very much that person where it's like, here's the new flavor of Mountain Dew. It tastes like fruitcake and fireworks. And I'm like, well, I have to know. Like, I'm going to try this. Yeah. And for a long time, I was like ashamed. Like, no one can know that I have had every single flavor of Cheerios. And it's like, now I'm like, nah, that that is a, a pride a that YouTube I have. Channel. Exactly. <laughs> we watched connoisseur. We watched somebody do like a taste test, and I was able to do like commentary on all of it because I've actually had I love it. That. 
<laughs> I, I'm like having, I'm in my discovering new fast food era right now. Like, cause I had really only had it a few times up until college and not very much even then. So now I'm like so broke all the time and I'm like, I could get Taco Bell and try a new thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's, nice. it's been exciting. I'm on my anti-diet pro fast food journey. <laughs> We, yeah. uh, we we eat a lot of Taco Bell in this household. We uh, we were having some drinks at a friend's house last night, and mm-hmm. at like 12.30 in the morning, BJ's like, I don't even have munchies, but I want to order off the munchie menu at Jack in the Box. And so we did. And it was <laughs> nice. <laughs> the munchie menu is hardcore. Like, it is exactly well it, it is like yeah whatever we just threw sauces and chilies and cheese onto all these things you want these tiny jack-in-the-box tacos what if we throw like cheese on top of the tacos so you can't actually touch them with your hands fuck it let's go it's That's awesome great. wow i've never <laughs> even heard of jack-in-the-box yeah uh, it's a it's more of a west coast thing but i it, see it like pops in other places that used to be big in the midwest as well mm-hmm. but yeah they fully have a, a menu for after hours that is clearly just like stoner brain food love but, that it's the best. And like that, that is my form of like exciting hijinks is ordering Jack in the Box at midnight and just being really stoked to have a get, chicken tater melt. We're getting old, man. That, we we don't have memory. hijinks like we used to. <laughs> I have a we Costco don't. rotisserie chicken on the way right now. Yes. Oh, hell yeah, rotisserie chickens. So excited. <laughs> uh huh. Well, I'm standing here with your daughter, Julie. That's right. Uh huh. All right. Your father wants to talk to you. Dad? 50 monthly for six months. Um, what was that, Dad? You have no idea how close Dad just came to answering this phone. I had to hurt myself. And I'm wearing red pumps. 50 monthly for six months. No. No? No. Three. Wait, you're negotiating now? That's right. I'll be home soon. <laughs> I'll say the real fat phobia in this movie is Jeff Garner's butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're not wrong. I have such... God, because like Jeff Garner is one of those like problematic figures where like he's done terrible things as a human being. Yeah. But I can't go back in time and make his like jokes not be funny to me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is such like a funny dad in this movie because he doesn't have like the weaponized incompetence of most like teen movie yeah. or sitcom dads. He's like so oblivious. He's just oblivious is the thing. Like her mother, and- Julie loves a dumb man. and like he's just kind of nice to be there for like a little bit of comedic relief i think he plays really well off of sam huntington who is like sam huntington is always so like endearing and he's usually the kid in movies where like he's on the verge of getting in trouble at all times Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. in this movie he's just given up so it's a really nice like character for him i enjoyed that character he had a good arc and the one thing i will say though is when he goes to eat the pizza, he's like, we're going to throw all of this out, but are we going to just eat four pizzas instead? Because they ordered four pizzas for four people for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so that did not make any sense to me. Oh, I mean, I, I can actually shed some light on that, which is that they order anchovies, and no one wants to share an anchovy pizza with the one person who gets the anchovy pizza, because my favorite pizza is pineapple and anchovies. Uh. And... 
I usually only get it for myself because when people deliver it, if it's in like one of the warmer bags, it will sort of slightly infect the other pizzas. Yeah. And Ah, I'm allergic to fish, so it makes it an issue for me, which is fun. I think they did Um, get two pepperoni, though. Yeah. They did. I don't know. Just so they can eat throughout the entire night, I guess. I guess so. Harmony also pointed out that he doesn't eat the crusts. So, you know, maybe he's okay. like... That's a power move. That That is a strategy. Like, you go to CeCe's Pizza, never eat the crust. You fill up on crust. No, no, no. You get the pizza pizza. <laughs> there was no reason for him to eat all four pizzas. I do not understand. No, but not at all. I like the dog helped, I guess. So Yeah, it was like, it's also implied that this poor dog has also eaten an ass load of pizza. <laughs> yes. And I'm I'm glad that they didn't go for the vomit joke, um, because I mm-hmm. have a phobia of vomit, but... Also, mm-hmm. just that it's so done. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. I think if this was like a PG-13 movie, they would have gone for it. But they kept it a little cleaner than that. Yeah. That's a good point. I think the PG does a lot of heavy lifting in terms of keeping some of the gross-out factors that we would expect from a movie that yeah. follows a similar like pattern. That's helpful. But then, of course, like you know, as we said at the top of the show, it replaces sex with sentiment and then that makes things read a little weirder. Yeah. Um, it's, in, it's intimate in a way that sex is sort of not sometimes in sex comedies. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's such a weird thing to say too because obviously it would be just as problematic if it was all about like these right. high schoolers trying to fuck eighth graders. Like that's also a problem. Yeah. But it's almost weirder that it's like, no, I'm looking for love with this child. And you're like, ah. You know oh a movie that, that did the sex comedy thing in a – well, I guess it's not PG, but like with little kids in a really funny way, it was Good Boys. Did you see yeah. that? Oh, yeah, we love yeah. Good Boys. I loved that movie. That was like, so funny. I got to rewatch Good, it. Good Boys is actually what I was bringing up when I was talking about this because we were trying to sort of weigh out how the sex comedy aspect of this movie works because there, I, I think it was a TikTok or a Twitter thread. I don't remember what it was, but somebody made it. It's kind of like changed my entire worldview, which uh-huh. was that uh, in the newest Jackass movie, Jackass Forever, which was my favorite film of 2022, if you're curious, uh, they brought in Rachel Wolfson. And they don't give her as much to do as the guys in it. Mm -hmm. And people sort of were like, oh, that's a bummer. But then this person who posted said, hey, it's really cool when they do like cock and ball torture or like nudity or all these things with like the jackass guys that we all love. But if you do it with a woman and you do the same things, it's suddenly fetish content. That's so true. And Mm -hmm. good boys can get away with doing certain things as like, you know, young junior high kids getting into like hijinks that that sometimes orbit sex like they have a blow-up doll and stuff and and dildos in that movie that yeah i lost my shit laughing at that oh it's such a good movie and the trailer's so bad and does not project it as what the movie actually is which is extremely frustrating but i think that the pg sort of helps supplant that because it even if it was just like you know one for one it would get into a territory that we socially view would view very different than like good boys yeah Mm -hmm. I think yeah, they did a pretty good so. job of writing that line, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Like, especially because it took me many, many years to, fu- like, actually have the kind of, like, dog-eared response to some of the stuff that's in here. Right. Which means that it didn't track as a kid. Whereas yeah. in some movies, like, things track terribly immediately. Mm-hmm. And this didn't until I was much older. Which I think is good because ultimately... Who is watching this movie if not children or people who grew up watching it? Like, that's kind of the interesting thing about 
doing this show is how often we watch movies that are very much not meant for our eyes. Like they were not thinking of us in this age demo of watching this. So of course they were not thinking about the ways that it could be interpreted by adults because our perspective doesn't matter to some extent because this is a movie that's PG. This is a movie for children that's made for their sensibilities and I like that. I like that this is a movie that is not trying to speak to me. It's trying to speak to people that this is going to impact and it's going to have a good impression on, hopefully. And mm-hmm. I I love that that genre exists. And it's also why I am constantly in a one-sided rivalry with the new uh, CEO of HBO Discovery because he doesn't see the value in children or teen media. And it makes me want to flip tables. I really would like there to be more movies like this, like that that are this like kids movie or teens movie, but aren't like risque and aren't like too. Um, th- this one's so focused on the hijinks and has so many great performances from really great actors. And I, I just wish that that sort of movie continued to exist because all my favorite movies are that like. Uh, if if you look at like all the rom coms that I love from the aughts, like my my big fat Greek wedding comes to mind, Maid of Honor, stuff like that, like they're funny, mm-hmm. and that that's why they're good. And um, I feel like so much of comedy today is either very gross out, or they just go full on like comedy drama hybrid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a movie that as much as it's about like growing up and finding your independence and finding your voice, that sort of is the after effect of everything. Like the the main concern is the hijinks. The main concern is the scavenger hunt. And the lesson that is learned is being mature, you know, taking accountability for the fact that you absolutely snuck out. And being Mm -hmm. honest with your mom and not being kind of like, yes, mom, I get it. Like being able to have a conversation with your parent as an adult. That's the side effect of going on these hijinks. And I think that that's a really important message that I I just don't think that we get very often outside of like Disney movies uh, or Disney Channel movies, I should say specifically. And I have a love-hate relationship with Disney Channel stuff because so much of it just feels like it was fed through an algorithm at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because the tween machine is successful and working. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have these kind of messy movies like Sleepover where it's a little complicated and it's a little weird and some decisions are a little strange, but that's also kind of life. Life is also messy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think on that note, we can ask the question... Harmony, Sleepover is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, a maybe, or are you buying her a ticket so she can go on her own? I went back and forth across all of the options for this one over the course of watching it, and now even more questioning myself over the course of this episode. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it on its own okay. because, as we say, you know, we, we were just saying like this movie was not made for someone to watch it for the first time in their 30s. That's that's mm-hmm. a little bit of a hard sell, but I don't think it's bad. I think it's messy in a way that I appreciate because so many tween or even like kids films aren't messy anymore because they want they don't want to run the risk of like bad optics. 
And there's something endearing about that that I really, really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Obviously, it could be better. Um, I think that they could address some of the difficult issues, but we weren't doing that in 2004, and it'd be absurd for me to demand that of this movie retrospectively. Yeah. But um, yeah, especially for people who grew up watching it uh, or people who like, you know, I, I could see this being a really good movie where somebody who grew up watching it was having like friends over and it's like, we're going to drink and I'm going to show you some goofy shit from my childhood and it's going to be fun. Me. <laughs> exactly. I, I think this is an excellent film for that experience. I got to have a sleepover theme sleepover. Oh my God. That'd be <laughs> so I can much try fun. to freeze a bra at so, so many times and it doesn't work because you have to soak it in water first mm-hmm. or it won't actually freeze, which for some reason eluded me as a child. <laughs> so, so you just put it in the fridge cold. and it got cold. <laughs> just put it in the freezer and it got cold. <laughs> we used to do frozen t-shirts where you would get like a big thing of Tupperware and fill it with water and put the t-shirt in it and then freeze it in the ice block. So then you'd have to take it into the street and like break it out of the ice and then try to put it on. I don't know. These are the things that we did before that the internet. Fun. <laughs> it's super fun because it like hardens in its place. So you, then you have to like break apart a t-shirt. It's very fun. It's also fun to do if you are not sober. True. <laughs> well, Abby, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find your work online? Um, you can find my podcast and TikTok and everything around that at at more than Tracy T. If you want to follow me personally, you can find me at Abby Rose Morris on Instagram and Abby Rose Morris underscore on uh, Twitter. Um, everything for more than Tracy Turnblad is under more than Tracy T. You can go to more than Tracy um, or you can just search for more than Tracy Turnblad on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, I just want to say because I grew up with this movie and I have a soft spot for it. You know, it may not be the best movie out there, but I would absolutely take it to prom because I think we both like brownies. Aww. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Last thing I'll say also is I'm performing my solo show in New York City on January 25th at 8 p.m. at Good Judy in Brooklyn. So come if you're in New York City. Beautiful. Everyone go see Abby because she's amazing, as you have just heard. And if you're not listening to More Than Tracy Turnblad, this is like the seventh time I've plugged it on this show. So you should know by now. But thank you, as always, everyone who listens. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at The Sunset Prom. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at BJ Colangelo. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. And as always, thank you to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use Title as our theme song. Harmony, what cool band do you want people to check out this week inspired by Sleepover? So the soundtrack to this movie is actually like some really good, like, I think the term that they're using these days is like Disney core or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like very like polished pop punk. And, and I really, really like that. Um, so the band I want to shout out is actually a South Korean band called Rum Kicks. And they first popped on my radar because they have Liberty Spikes and look just really fucking rad. But it's an all-girl band, and I don't know what most of their songs are about because they are in Korean. However, they have wonderful songs like Punk Rocker, Punk Is Nowhere, and Rule The World Punks. So um, I think I get what they're going for. And <laughs> it, it has a it has a similar uh, je ne sais quoi of like the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack punk rock. So if you like that, you'll probably love this band. 
Beautiful. That sounds great, especially because this movie has Alistair playing at the school dance at the end. I, I love when bands do cameos in, in dance sequences in movies. We need to bring Classic. that back. Classic. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. Alrighty, friends, that takes us out on Sleepover. We will see you next week. And as always, save that last dance for us. Bye. Bye. Yancy. I'm Yancy. We had P.E. together all year. You're orange. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.